Hello, and welcome to the Real Talk with Tamara podcast. I'm Tamara, a photographer and creative director for beauty, wellness, and lifestyle brands and professionals, and your host of Real Talk with Tamara. So this podcast covers actionable, down-to-earth business and lifestyle advice for creative entrepreneurs who aspire to make an impact in their communities while keeping it real, of course. A little housekeeping before we get into it. Please follow or subscribe on iTunes or Spotify. And comments are currency, so please leave a comment. You may just get a shout out on an upcoming episode. Hey, hey. So I'm really excited for today's episode because I'm talking about how staying in your own lane and niching down allows you to grow your expertise and build multiple streams of income with intention. Now, I always talk about how niching down allows you to scale up and grow your business while also building your credibility and expertise. This conversation takes it a step further with how this concept of niching down to scale up allows you to then expand your business with additional revenue streams, something that we always hear about. I'll be having this conversation with Malika Mayotra, who is a professional brand photographer. Me and Malika met via Instagram about three years ago, and we have been following each other's journey ever since. Before getting into this episode, here's a little bit more about Malika. Malika Mayotra of Miki Photo & Co. is a professional brand photographer, brand expert, and author of the Brand Photography Playbook. She is on a mission to empower women to stop playing small and to start showing up as the face of their brand. With over 12 years in photography and a background in marketing and advertising, she combines her strategy, storytelling, and photography skills to help women move from invisible to impact and emerge as leaders within their industry. When she is not taking pictures or building brands, she is at home with her three sons and husband, drinking coffee or red wine and dreaming about their next global adventure. Without further ado, let's get into this episode. Malika, I'm so happy to be having this conversation with you about building sustainable revenue streams. And I've known, I've known you for, I think, almost three years, which is crazy. I think that was the first time we had like our first conversation on the phone. Um, and it's been really great to see just how intentional you've been about adding additional revenue streams, which that's something we're going to talk about today. But first, I just want to welcome you to the Real Talk with Tamara podcast. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. It's so nice to see you. And, you know, I know we're connected online and through Instagram, but it's always so great to actually have a live conversation. So thank you for the opportunity. Yeah, of course. So we're going to get right into it um, with the first question. I, I want to talk about how your path started because everyone has a different um, story into entrepreneurship. And I know you are by trade currently a a brand photographer for women-led businesses and and enterprises and enterprises, excuse me. But I would love it if you can just briefly share how you um, went into that very specific type of photography for the audience. Sure. So I've been in the photography business for 12 years. Um, And I started my business doing more children and family because I had young children at the time. 
Um, so it was sort of a, a natural progression. I had a camera, I was documenting their lives so that I was attracting other people for me to, to hire me to do it for them. And it was a great way to learn the craft and you know, to kind of fit, it fit into my lifestyle. But as my children got older and as I started to network more and meet other women in business and get very involved in sort of just the empowerment and um, the networking scene, I found that I began to be really interested in the stories behind women's businesses and wanting to use photography and visual storytelling to help them become the face of their brand, much more than just the headshot. Mm. Uh, so I started with headshots, of course, because I was going from family to then headshots, but then I wanted to add more soul, more depth to their stories. And this is when online marketing really started to grow. Um, and people, it was more than just websites. We had social media and newsletters and blogging. And so I was at the cusp of like this movement of where visual storytelling became essential in your business. Mm -hmm. um, and so for the last five years, I have been really focused in just storytelling for women in business. And it's funny how life is because I used to work in marketing and advertising in corporate years ago. Um, and I use a lot of those principles, those things that I did for big brands for the smaller business owner now, you know, about mastering your message, about carving out your niche and about visibility being seen. And so, you know, it's been a, a crazy roller coaster ride in the photography field, but now I feel like I have created a space for myself as a brand photographer and now as, you know, brand strategist and a brand mentor. Yeah, thank you for sharing. And, you know, I'm hearing a common thread amongst women that I'm interviewing for the podcast is that, you know, we all have past lives in, in a corporate setting in some capacity, but we still were able to exhibit like those transferable skills. Like there were still transferable skills that we were able to use in a more creative way. It's important to leverage the skills and experience that you have. I mean, and that's an important part of branding, right? Is to figure out what are the strengths that you've had in past experiences and how they can fit into your current message. Yeah. Um, so it is important. Yeah, it, re it reminds me of uh, a quote I was looking at on Instagram. I'm probably gonna butcher it now that it's not in front of me, but pretty much it's it says something to the effect of, you know, don't discredit or discount the things that come easy to you. You know, if it's something that comes easy to you, you know, don't feel ashamed. It's something that you can utilize. And as you said, leverage to your own advantage. You know, it becomes your competitive advantage of how you stand out. Um, if you are able to share that experience with other women and, and be able to translate it for so many women, which you have, been able to do as a brand photographer. And you mentioned that you, you've been doing photography for 12 years. You pretty much were on the front lines of when visual storytelling really became this industry, really. So you've, you've seen the, the progression, you've seen the growth. Now that you are beginning to add other revenue streams, you know, did you feel that you had to master or did you feel like once you mastered 
the brand photography part of your business, that's when you felt comfortable deciding to add another revenue stream or was there a natural progression? Did you realize that clients were asking you questions and then said, hmm, maybe I can move into, you know, brand strategist? So when I pivoted from family and children into business and branding, I knew that I had to focus on that genre for a few years before mm. I could do anything else. I knew it was very important for me to build a reputation and a name. I wanted to be the person that people tagged, like if they're in a Facebook group and they're like, oh, I have a, I have a brand photo shoot. I have a question. I wanted them to tag me every single time. So I made that my goal um, to be known for brand photography and not to concentrate on anything else. So I cut out a lot of the other things that I was doing, even though they were, you know, making money, like people would ask me for Christmas mini sessions. And I was like, I can't do it anymore. And I needed to stay focused on the one thing. And that's what's hard for a lot of people is to edit and to really hone in on that area of expertise. And I decided to do that and went, you know, 100% in. And once I was be able to sort of create a name for myself, and it took, you know, two or three years, then I started to venture out to other things like teaching a workshop on Instagram in person. It was all still within that realm of visual storytelling, but it was just a little bit outside of the box. It wasn't, you know, the one-to-one -one service of photography, but it still dealt with imagery and visual storytelling. But I really tried to focus in for a few years to master the creativity, the craft, create a process for my clients, um, get the testimonials, get the case studies under my belt before I ventured out to anything else. But what happened after a few years of servicing, you know, brand photography clients doing the one-to-one, -one, I found that I was creating a process for the strategy part because the best pictures are in are strategic. They are in alignment with people's values and their mission. Um, they aren't just vanity photos, right? And so once I started to dive deeper into my client's vision and their mission and how they were different and who their clients were, then I found that I had this other piece to the puzzle that I was starting to learn more about and I was starting to help more people. It was the strategy and the messaging. And that's when I decided to consider offering a new service um, to my audience. And I started first with in-person. I started doing that because I wanted to validate it first. Are people getting um, transformation, the results that they need? Is my content working for them before deciding to then launch a course and do all of the things? I wanted to make sure that it was valuable and it was validated. And once I saw that I was gaining traction, then I then took the next step of how can I scale this and bring it to more people and bring it online. And even with that, I started doing these group programs that were small and intimate. It wasn't a DIY course. It was still in a very hands-on, high-touch group membership program where there was only 10 people over 10 weeks because I still felt like I needed to learn how to best serve the people before I would decide to get even bigger and scale even more. So it was very intentional, it was very strategic, and there was a natural progression. Um, but I didn't just, 
I wasn't reactive. And I do see that in the marketplace a lot, like people just launching and launching. I, I wanted to test things first. Um, and maybe that's like a reflection of my age because I'm older. I just want to be very strategic and very careful. And so that's kind of how I had decided to go from the one-to-one -to, -one to then offer other services um, to help broaden my brand and broaden my audience. Yeah. You know, you said so many things. And so we're, we're going to unpack, unpack each section because the first thing that you shared in the very beginning is that you understood that you needed to be considered the go-to in your niche before saying to anyone like, hey, this is an additional service that I'm providing. Because what tends to happen is when you are a Jane of all trades, there is confusion amongst your audience. They don't know what you do, what you do really well. And so they're least likely to hire you. You know, you saying that you said no to a lot of things, even though they were successful, resonates with me 100%. Because when I first started, you know, three years ago, you know, I always gravitated towards product photography, but I was also doing other things as well. So, you know, website design, social media, management, consulting of some sort, right? And, you know, you have to have a really honest conversation with yourself and say, okay, what do I want to be known for, for the next three years, which I'm so happy you said that as well, because this is not something that is overnight for anyone that's listening. Like you have to niche down to really scale up something that I say a lot to people out there. You know, this is not a fly by the seat of your pants strategy. You know, if you're able to niche down and focus on one thing, not only will you be considered the go-to over time, where in Facebook groups, someone's like, hey, I'm looking for a product photographer or I'm looking for a brand photographer. They, you know, three to five people can say, oh, I know Malika or I know Tamara, right? You know, that takes time. Don't feel discouraged if after one year, that's not happening for you. It, it takes a lot of time. So I'm so happy that you brought that up because a lot of people assume that, okay, once I make this decision as to what I want to do, like now I'm going to get all the success. And it's like, you have to, to do the work. Yeah. It's so important. I mean, to become a specialist in anything takes time, mm -hmm. you know? So first you just have to decide and you have to commit mm -hmm. and then you have to edit and like call out all the other stuff and just stay focused and just keep cultivating that specialty um, as much as possible in your messaging and your content and everything that you're offering. There's just too much noise out there. So people don't know what you're good at or what you want to be known for unless you are telling them over and over and over again. This episode of the Real Talk with Tamara podcast is brought to you by Celeste Soul Jewelry. Empowered women empower women, and Real Talk with Tamara serves as a platform to spotlight other women-owned businesses who are making a difference in their communities. Celeste Soul Jewelry offers chic, everyday jewelry to complement the modern woman's hustle and spirit. And I'm already a major fan of their jewelry and own a few pieces myself. You've probably seen me wearing the disc earrings and large soul coin necklace on the gram. 
These pieces are officially in my everyday rotation and I am always complimented whenever I wear one of their pieces. And even better, a percentage of proceeds support organizations in need, including the Garden of Eden Foundation, where Celeste Soul provided prom jewelry for over 200 girls in a New York metro area. One of the best ways to support a small business is with our wallets. And as a thank you, Celeste Soul has offered a promo code for Real Talk with Tamara listeners. Use code RTWT15 for a limited time to receive 15%. Yeah, 15% on your purchase when you shop on CelesteSoul.com. Check out the link and the code in the show notes. Look good, do good, feel good. A hundred percent. I'm sorry. I just smiled with such a glee. It's the crack in my voice just then. Um, so then the next thing that you mentioned, which actually was a follow-up question, you, you shared a little bit of your process because I, I do agree with you. I am from the camp of things take time. So regardless if it's a service-based business or if it is a program, a course, a mastermind, you know, I have joined programs where, just being honest, everyone out there, where I've felt really inspired by someone who gained, you know, traction, you know, gaining five figures in course launches, you know, after a year, you know, and the reality is that is not, that's not the norm, you know. Small percentage. It's a small percentage. And and the world of course creation program mastermind creation, that is a small percentage, you know, slow and steady wins the race. I really love how you said you did a lot of testing. You, you know, you wanted to train, well, not transition because you're still doing brand photography, but you wanted to add an additional component and you wanted to do testing. So can you share a little bit about like, how long was that testing process? Because I, I do remember, and they were in person and Malika's based in Jersey. So uh, I remember when you were hosting those, I just wanted to know how long was that testing process before you said, okay, now I'm ready to scale. And then also it, it seems to me that income wasn't necessarily a driving factor. It really seems like you wanted to serve your clients deeply. And, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but we'll kind of love to hear a little bit more about that. Yeah. So let me address the income part. I think, you know, the brand photography, being a specialist, I'm able to have a premium price also. So that's another good thing, which I will say to everybody, if you focus on something and you you work hard and become known as the, per, the go-to person in your industry, then you can ask for premium prices. Mm-hmm. Uh, but with photography, as you know, it can drain you. It is, you can get burned out, just the creativity and being able to give your best to each client. And so I knew I needed to balance it out with some other offerings, but that offerings that could provide maybe some more recurring revenue. Because with photography, there's often peaks and valleys, you know, it is hard to have a sustainable income when weather comes into play and a lot of other things. And so I wanted to be a smarter business person and have 
my core, which is, you know, the visual storytelling and the brand photography, but also balance it out with other offerings that would have more of a consistency mm. uh, and give me recurring revenue over time. So that was sort of my thinking as I became more experienced in the entrepreneurial world. It wasn't something I ever thought of in the beginning, but because I've been in business for 12 years, I saw the evolution of my brand and the pivots that I took. And I knew this was another um, direction I wanted to take it with. But to get there, to launching these other offerings, um, I did do a lot of testing. I did spend a couple of years doing in-person to also to get over the fear of now shifting into an educator role. It's very safe to be behind the lens and working with one person, but it is hard all of a sudden to be standing in front of the room and to be teaching ideas and concepts um, that you know in your head, but have to sort of totally change in how you're interacting with people. And so I did a lot of um, you know Instagram workshops, how to use your iPhone, things that I knew how to do, but always in you know, a small setting, maybe there was 10 people. I think my biggest one, I had 25 people, but it built my confidence. It built my confidence as a teacher, as an educator. I could see and hear and listen to what my audience wanted. And I think that's very, very important is to understand what your audience is looking for and what they're going to pay money for. Mm. Um, and so, and also, you know, going back to what was my mission with this business. And I learned quickly after doing some of these workshops that I really didn't want to be teaching how to style product and, you know, iPhoneography. I wanted to teach more about storytelling and how to be your face of your brand and how to master your message. So it takes doing it to learn that you don't want to do it, right? So I, I did do a couple of years of different topics, but I found that also I had this junk drawer business where I was doing all the things, you know, there was, you know, iPhoneography and then there's vision boarding. And then I did like consultations on branding and it was too much. And so I had to go back and cut out what wasn't working and stay to my core. And that's when I decided to focus on the branding strategy part and just the brand photography. And I had gained the confidence as a teacher and as a mentor. And so, and I invested in a coach who did group memberships, um, group, I'm sorry, group mentorships, who taught me how to launch my first one. And that's when I launched, it was called Brand Confidential. This was my first group program on how to build your brand. So we did touch on visual storytelling within that curriculum, but it was more about starting from scratch and messaging. So it was a little bit different than what I had been doing for years, but it was definitely part of my process. Yeah. And what year did you launch Brand Confidential? Did so uh, 2018. Okay. So not yes. that long ago, actually. Yeah. So, so for anyone listening, okay, so... Malika has a very successful brand photography service. She charges a premium rate. That execution, I mean, it's a, it's a full reflection of that rate. I mean, it is so detailed. It's so specific. I mean, I'm always inspired when I see her pictures. But I think what I want you guys who are listening to take away from this is that Malika has been in business a total of 12 years, and she didn't begin actually forming like a membership that's online until 2018. That means that she was focusing on 
being of excellent service to her, her customers, to her clients for 10 years before saying, okay, I'm ready to now launch something else. Like she still used that time to test out and get the, that social proof that we're always talking about, get those testimonials, like really like understanding what was her client experiencing prior to working with Malika to what she's experiencing after working with Malika, right? Getting all of that information to then utilize that same copy and launching a membership. You know, I, I want everyone to really, really, you know, hold <laughs> true to this. Like, do not feel like, okay, one year into your business that you now have to add additional streams, okay? Niche down, leverage, become an expert, okay? Sorry, not not to go into like a whole preaching thing, but. It's so important though. I mean, you're saying all the right things. I think it's tempting to launch new things, shiny object syndrome, right? We see it all on social media and everyone's doing everything. And so you think, you know, I'm going to do that too, because I need some more income or, you know, I'm bored with what I'm doing, but you, you have to be smart and you need to be strategic and you need to look at your expertise and you have to understand what your clients want. You need to talk to them. You need to listen to them. And then you have to look at the customer journey. Like is what I did is I knew with the photography that there was a part of the brand strategy that was so important that would make the best pictures. And if you didn't do that section, your business was at a loss for one and your brand imagery was going to fall flat. Mm -hmm. And so I took that section of brand strategy, the process that I took my clients, my photography clients through, and then I developed the whole program around that. But I would never have been able to do that unless I did this brand photography for years and years and years to create the system that I have for my clients, which is like bulletproof mm. and create strong results because you need to put the work in first in order to figure out how you can diversify and develop new offerings. Um, and they have, they should go hand in hand. Um, so I find a lot of my brand strategy members or students become my brand photography clients or my brand photography clients. When they finish that one-to-one -one session, they still want support. So then they bounce into my membership. So they feed into each other. And I did that intentionally and cut out the other stuff so that it wouldn't be confusing and I could focus on photography and membership. And that's all I am trying to promote now. I love it. So if we had to pretty much summarize, I'm sure people have notebooks and pens out right now anyway, but if you had to summarize, what would you say would be three questions or concerns that someone should consider when deciding on launching another product or service? So the first one is, I would say, go back to your mission. Make sure that whatever you want to launch is in alignment with what you want out of your business. Because again, it's easy just to be trigger happy and just launch things because somebody else is doing it uh, or it looks cool, but you have to make sure because that's the sustainability part, right? That it has to be in alignment with what you are trying to create um, so that you can do this for the long term. The second thing is listen to your customers. See if they want this, if they're willing to pay for this. So it might take doing some coffee chats. It might take doing some networking, going back to old clients and really talking to them and picking their brains to see if this offering 
resonates with them? Is it something that they want or need in their lives? And the third thing is look at your marketplace. Who else is doing this? Is there a gap? Is there a place that you can own and niche down or specialize so that you can rise above the noise, so that you can stand out? Because you don't want to get lost with what everybody else is doing and just be another DIY course or another mastermind. You have to have a certain angle so that people will latch onto that and it will resonate with them. So those are the three things. Make sure you, know, you go back to your values and your mission. Make sure that you're talking to your customer and you know them inside and out, that this is something that they want and will pay for. And then the last is to really study that marketplace and see if there, there's an opening for this. If there's not, then maybe you need to wait or maybe you need to um, adjust it or revise it so that there's a place for you. Those are the three things. But that's what I think about whenever I think about launching something. Yeah, 100%. I actually think about those things as well. I mean, pretty spot on. You know, uh, there's a, a business coach out there. Her name is Jerisha Shaw. And one popular quote that she says a lot and very often is, stop trying to solve broke people's problems. So it's very important to know like that number two that you shared. Is this a problem that your audience has and are they willing to pay for it? Because the last thing you wanna do is invest your time and energy in launching something and you see no results whatsoever, you know? I mean, and a good example is this, it's like before I launched my membership, I was thinking of taking that the same content, the same type of program and doing like a high ticket offer. So like, you know, almost similar to the price for my photography. So like a thousand dollar offer, right? Where they get all the things, the high touch service. But when I talked to my audience, they were like, we don't have the money to spend on that and your photography. We want more of a membership where it's an accessible, affordable price that we can be with you for a longer amount of time. And so then I was like, light bulb moment. So I can do a membership. I might have to wheel in what I offer instead of doing it all. I have to set boundaries, but then I can service more people. So now I can scale my brand at a price point that's lower, that feels very different and differentiated from my high touch package and service more people. And that's what they were asking for. And so I launched my brand attraction society membership at a lower, it's $97 a month. You have curriculum. There is a lot of some DIY features, but you have access to me, but in a limited portion. Right. And that was a light bulb moment for me because I thought that's what everybody wanted because that's what I wanted to give but they weren't going to pay for it. So then I, you know, pulled back and reevaluated and then created an offering that met the needs of what my audience was asking. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that too. Um, Because I, I do, I think sometimes we get really discouraged where we feel like we have an idea, but if people aren't willing to pay 997, then we should just give up and quit when sometimes It's like, no, what can we do to just make it a little bit more accessible? That doesn't mean that you're watering down your your service. It doesn't mean that you don't respect or value yourself um, because you're lowering it. But if we are saying that we want to do something that is in line with our mission and our core values, does it really matter if it's 997? Like, can it be an introductory price point that you feel comfortable 
with doing, you know, $97, like that's a really great introductory price point. Right. And, and I believe for the membership, there is like a three month minimum, I believe. Right. So you have to also be strategic, like $97 a month is an affordable price point, but I'm in it for the long haul. I want to build a community. I want these people to stick with me so that I understand their business, that I get my hands into their business, that I can help them grow and build. It's not like a branding isn't one and done. Right. So those are the things that I think about. And so Yes, it's a lower price point. And I too felt those things like, oh, am I undervaluing my service? But I think it's for the long run. So I can have people who have their, you know, stay with me for a year, then it is a good value, right? I am meeting those price points that I think that my content and my expertise um, deserves, but I'm doing it in a way where I can reach more people. And if I can build the membership to 100 people, you're, you're still meeting those financial goals but it's, you have to be creative and strategic in different ways. Yeah. Oh, thank you. This, this was a personal message. So thank you so much for sharing that. Um, so kind of moving or switching gears just a little bit, because I, I think the main thing out of this entire conversation is understanding like when you are an expert, you actually have more leverage to be able to add additional revenue streams that are in line in alignment with your expertise and your mission. Um, but sometimes, you know, not every idea ends up being, you know, a great revenue stream or it may take longer than you expected. Um, so what questions or things would someone be looking out for to decide when it's time to move on from that idea when we think that maybe it's a dud? Sometimes, you know, those dud ideas are often like passion projects, right? Um, that you, you start off and you're really excited about and you want to do. But again, I would say like, you have to go to your audience and listen to if it's something that meets their needs. That's the first thing. And the second thing is you have to think about the long term. Like, is this something that you're going to want to do for more than six months time? Cause you don't want to be reactive. You don't want to be creating and launching. And then like, you know, a month later, you're not happy with it or you're not getting the response and you're not committed to it. So you have to really take a step back and you have to look at your business as a whole and see how these offerings fit into the big picture and understand if it's something that you are going to be committed to for the long term. Um, because it hurts your brand when you're constantly, um, launching different things that aren't in alignment, that are scattered. It's, it's going to confuse your audience and a confused mind never buys, right? And so you want to make sure that everything is cohesive and consistent and that it's something that you are committed to for the long term. Um, so those are some things like when you have ideas that you're unsure about or if it's proving to not be fruitful, to ask yourself those questions. Does it really fit in this big picture of your business and it's okay to walk away. It's probably better to walk away within like four to six months and to keep it going on and keeping it in your product suite and just confusing your audience. And then as a reminder and hurting your own business confidence. Um, so, you know, that's why it's so important before you react and to launch to kind of ask those questions that we talked about in the beginning of, is it in alignment with your mission? Does it meet the needs of your audience? Um, you know, is there space for this in the marketplace? Because 
you're just going to hurt your brand if you're constantly firing all these new ideas. And you see people doing that and you're like, oh my God, last week she was talking about this. And now this month she's talking about that. Is it the same person? And it just causes confusion. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I I love that answer. Thank you. So then... I think I know the answer to this one. Sometimes there, there comes a time when you do say, you know, I feel really good about my existing offering or, or the mix of the assortment, but can there be more? Should, should there be more? Um, and so I actually, I want to ask you this question. You know, do you foresee yourself adding any additional, you know, streams of revenue or, or do you want to just get to a place where you feel like, you know, I've succeeded, you know, I'm happy with my three revenue streams because you have, the, the premium package, mm-hmm. photography package, the brand attraction society, right. and then you have a book. I have a book. Yes. You have a book as well. So, so what's your thought process on that? Well, so I do feel like less is more. I do feel like now I, I had mentioned I had this junk drawer business where I was offering all of the things that with less, it means that I can focus my energy on just three things. And it means that my marketing is very focused and it's not exhausting. Um, and even with the three things, I often find like, you know, am I talking too much about one and not the other? Imagine if I had six things, you know, how do you communicate that to your audience? And you don't want to feel like you're bombarding them with, you know, promo after promo. So less often is more. Of course, I'm a creative person. So ideas are always popping into my head, you know, but right now I want to stay because I just launched this um, membership society this year. I want to really focus 2020 on the brand attraction society. And then maybe in 2021, if there is something that can supplement, I mean, I have an idea of something that maybe can supplement it more of like a product versus a service maybe I'll consider that. But I'm really trying to hold off on that. I'm really trying to practice what I preach and just focus on the society and building that. And I have goals of like what I want for the end of the year and continuing with my brand photography. And, you know, and then my book is kind of like on autopilot. It's a great marketing tool for me. It's helped open up a lot of, um, you know, speaking opportunities and podcast opportunities and it's on Amazon. So it kind of is just that recurring revenue that I see. So I don't have to promote it so much. So it just allows me then to really hone in on these two offerings and focus on them. But I think it's exhausting on your audience and on you as a business owner, if you have too many things, like how can you talk about all of them? How can you sell them? If you can pair back, or even if you can bundle, you know, that's what I would recommend is, you know, I have other, you know, I'm a good example. I have other digital courses, but what I did in the membership is I bundled them in. So I don't have to keep talking about, I have this digital course and this, um, I can just talk about the society. Yeah. A hundred percent. Um, thank you so much for sharing that very real and honest point of view. I think we often forget about the, the energy that is expended when we are launching different services. You know, if I had to really be honest, or actually I'm always honest about this, but one of the main reasons why I wanted to focus on one thing, aside from charging a premium rate, you know, aside from being considered the go-to, was that I didn't want to have to work that hard. 
<laughs> right? Like it sounds like a, like a paradox. Like it doesn't mean that I wasn't working or that I'm not working. Like there's always work that needs to be done. But I knew that if I was going to have my own business, that I wanted to always be at a level of, you know, being chic and effortless. And that meant really paring down on what I needed to promote and, and what I was offering as a service, because I knew that I didn't want to experience exhaustion every day. You know, like that is a real reason to say, you know what, I'm only going to offer two things. One, because I don't want to confuse my audience, but the second, I don't feel like being tired. Like, that's not why I went into business is to be tired and you don't grind, you don't shine all the time, you know? So thank you so much for sharing that. This, this has been a really, really great conversation. So, so open and honest, but I would love to hear if you had any last minute thoughts that you would like to share about multiple revenue streams. So I guess I would just encourage your listeners to just think about your expertise first, really focus in on what you want to be known for, what people are already coming to you for, like look at the, your audience, your clients, get that intel from them of why they've come to you and just hone in, nurture that, cultivate that before you even think about how you can expand in other offerings. It's so important. I mean, you, you said it. it took me like six years, right? To just hone in on this one area. And once I found that it took me another two or three years to get known in that. And so it's in your best interest to invest the time in that versus the launching and creation of all these other services or offerings. Once you're able to get known and you can um, build your brand around that and people are looking at you as an expert and a leader, then you can start looking at how else can you serve that audience in other ways. Um, it's so tempting to do it all because we see it online and everyone's doing these things. But I think for sustainability of your business, the profitability of your business, it's so much more important to find that one area of expertise, to hone in on it, own it. And then after a while, then see what your audience needs from you and then build from there. And, and that's what I would say is, is so important because your business can really be at risk if you're trying to do too much too soon. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's a great way to, to end this episode. Um, Malika, thank you so much for, for sharing your expertise, sharing your, your honesty with the group and please share how people can find you online. Absolutely. Well, thank you. I mean, this was such a great conversation. It's a conversation I've ha I haven't had yet. So I'm so happy to share just my point of view on it. But if um, you're interested in learning more about me, my website is mikifoto.com. That's M-I-K-I-F-O-T-O.com. And I would love to invite your listeners to take a look at the Brand Attraction Society. It is a membership dedicated to branding. I'm really excited about it. It's growing slowly but steady, um, but it is something that I'm passionate about and um, would love to share it with your audience. All right. Thank you so much, Malika. I will see you on the gram. Yes. Thank you so much. And on that note, this wraps up another edition of Real Talk with Tamara. Real talk for real women. If you like what you've heard, 
please share with Reckless Abandon. And don't forget to follow on iTunes or Spotify so you don't miss out on the next episode. Until next time, remember to grind with grace and love. Peace and do you, boo.